Morning all, it is February 1, Thursday. The Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. A very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. We've got a busy morning, lots of guests, lots of news around as well. Just seeing last night uh, the news coming through that Cameron Smith is leaving Billy Slater's coaching setup there with the Maroons. Just wants to focus on his uh, sort of community coaching commitments and his family. Uh, Mal Meninga is being reported by News Corp, has been retained as coach of the Kangaroos, so we'll head towards the 2026 World Cup there. Josh Schuster's battling to be fit for Manly to get on the plane and go to Vegas as well. He's been uh, dealing with multiple uh, injury and uh, he had chicken injury issues. He had chicken pox as well. Uh, Brody Kostecki in supercars. It looks like he won't be there for the Bathurst 500, but Erebus saying that uh, he's still a valued member of their team. And last night we had the Allen Border Medal which had a very popular winner and one of the great acceptance speeches, Mitch Marsh, who was so for so long maligned by Australian cricket fans, took out the AB medal there last night. And, uh, well, while he was thanking Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins, and we'll play this a little later this morning, he was tearing up and he says, well, you know, I can't thank you enough for just believing in me. I'm a bit fat at times and I love a beer. And off he went as well in thanking uh, his captain and his coach. Pup, morning to you, mate. How are you? Morning, Mido. Morning, Loz. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Happy Thursday. Uh, congrats, congratulations to, to Mitch and Ash Gardner as well. Um, and to all the winners last night. I uh, can't say I watched any of it. Um, I was putting contact on school books, Mido. That was my night last night. Oh, the covering. Yep. Oh, oh, mate. And still got to do honestly, that. Honestly, that is not my go at all. That, oh, that should geez. have been left for Mummy's Week. Um, but anyway, I had to have a go. Uh, we did our best. Um, <laughs> the the Gosh, books have been covered. Do you remember that? that? I know. Yeah. Covering of books. Yeah. So yeah, we oh. had to put like, oh, I think, I don't know, Kelsey might have got six or seven books that she had to bring mm. home. And you put whatever subject, they, they got like a printout that goes on top of the book so you can tell this is English or maths or whatever they're doing. And you got to come, oh, mate. I was terrible. Yeah. Look at Lozzie's going, mate, don't miss that one bit. But yeah, anyway, happy Thursday. It's nice to be in here this morning. Loz, well, morning, mate. <laughs> morning, boys. Remember uh, those days, Loz? Uh, I do remember it, although my wife remember it. Yeah. Remembers that's... it better than me. Yeah. I think she did most of the uh, the work. I was just better sort of uh, hanging about asking questions on how to do it, but I don't think I actually participated <laughs> in it. But uh, it was good to see Mitch Marsh win the Player of the Year, or the Border Medal, I should say. Yeah. And well done to Ash Gardner winning the Belinda Clark Medal as well. Been a big 12 months, hasn't it, for Mitch Mars getting an opportunity over there in the Ashes and then making the most of it. So mm, come he along seems way, like, yeah, I don't know Mitch Marsh at all. Seems like a ripping bloke. I really enjoyed what he said last night. Uh, obviously very emotional. He just seems like a player that um, people want in the team. Yeah, for uh, sure. Just a, a wonderful teammate that contributes and has contributed heavily in the last 12 months. So, um, you know, he's come a long way, hasn't he? Because he, he, I think he was quoted as saying that, you know, people hated him. Um, which got him down at times, but he just he's got a new perspective on life. He just goes out there, whether he gets a duck or whether he gets a hundred, he just treats it all the same. Yeah. Now. So uh, a little older, well a little wiser, but he, no, I, I can understand why he said. I heard his. Um, I read something this morning. He made a comment on that last night when he was speaking that he probably regrets saying that. But I, I, I think when you're playing sport at the highest level, there's not too many athletes that don't, you know get smashed on social media or, or feel at a stage of their career that, mate, I wish I could get some support here. Like, I'm trying my best. But that's, you know, the other side. Like, now, if he looks at social media, he'll feel the love. And and I think that's the way... Is there love on social media, well, is there? you get it for one day. Mitch will get it this morning. But don't worry, tomorrow he plays a game, gets a duck, and we'll be back to normal. But I think that's life as well, you know. You probably read the negative stuff a lot. You know, the way I, I try and I've always tried to say it is if there's an article in the paper and it's negative and it's about yourself, you feel like the font is like 110 and it's all in capital letters. And you think every single person on the planet is staring at that article and they're believing every single word. But even if people do believe some of it or there's question marks around it, I, I know we all turn the page 
and tomorrow comes and we read about someone else, you know. And, and I think Mitch has probably felt, um, you know, that disappointment of, of feeling like he's he's let people down or he hasn't performed as well as he'd like. But I don't think I don't think there's anyone that can sit here and say he hasn't earned the right to, to stand there and receive that award, that Alan Border medal, or hasn't earned the right to be back in the Australian team. Um, you know, he got his chance through injury, as a lot of people do. Um, he also said that last night. I, you know, I, I read that um, Cameron Smith, ah, Cameron Smith, when Cameron Green came into the team, he thought his time might be up in Test cricket, but he got another chance and he's grabbed it with both hands. So good on him. And again, that's that's sport at the highest level. You, you're going to go through the highest of highs. You're going to have some great days, but in cricket terms, you're going to get some ducks as well. That's the sport we play. So. Yeah, well done to all the winners. Yeah, I think as you get older, you get more mature, you put things in perspective a lot more. Mm. I think when you're inside a, a sporting bubble, at times you feel as though, you know, the whole world is crumbling around you and everyone's thinking bad things about you yeah. and you're going through bad... That's not the case at all. Yeah. You know... And people, you learn you have to care less. Yeah, was. yeah, but the people that you care about and the people that care about you so true uh, they, they don't care but what's written yeah. or said about you yeah they feel for you yeah, yeah. and they'd love to go in front whoever's yeah. so written or, or said whatever but generally they they're there supporting you no, no matter, matter no matter what and you learn that as you as you get older yeah. um and you got to put everything into perspective you know as long as you got your your health your family's health and everyone's doing okay just move on you don't have to worry about all the negative drama going on. Yeah. Because I tell you, we're, on this, too we're, short, on, the, life, we're on this earth way too short. Yeah, I agree. we need to make the most of it while we're here. I agree. So Mitch Marsh, 223 votes. Pat Cummins, 144 seconds. It's a distance, Mitch. So he's, uh, he's won convincingly. Wow, that is Mitch a distance. Uh, Ash Gardner, the Belinda Clark Award. For our top female cricketer, she won just by 13 votes ahead of Elise Perry. The Shane Warne Men's Test Player of the Year was Nathan Lyon. Uh, took his 500 oh, awesome. test wicket, of course, well pretty done, recently. Yeah, that's unreal. Uh, the Women's T20 International Player of the Year, Elise Perry. She was the one-day international player of the year as well. Uh, the Men's One-day International Player of the Year was Mitch Marsh. Uh, hang on. Can you, can you scroll back up? Yo. Elise Perry won Women's One Day Player of the Year and Women's T20 Player of the Year. How did she not win Belinda Clark Medal? Well, because there's only two awards, you know, isn't there? Uh, For the so women, Ash Gardner's performances in the Test matches and the fact they're weighted differently. I don't, I, I don't know how many Tests they play. I think it was two. India and England, but her performances in those Tests they only played two Test far matches. Far superior. Different if you play ten or fifteen tests, but two tests really. Can you and can you show me the points difference then? So it was least, only thirteen, so it was close. Geez, so the tests must be a significant difference yeah. in the women's game then. Very highly weighted, as yeah. we say, tests should be, but they yeah. need to be playing more tests. Let's face it, yeah. and they, they they will start to. They got, I think, they got a test match against South Africa coming up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but I understand your logic is logical. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, but Ash Gardner, we're going to speak to Ash Gardner later this morning. In fact, after she's the eight o'clock star. news, she, uh, I, I remember seeing her years and years ago. Um, I did. I, I Ben Sawyer was coaching the Sydney Sixers, and I was doing some stuff stuff at Scots College, and went down and just watched the girls train one day. Mate, she was a freak as a kid. Mm. Like, just had a power game that I hadn't seen in in women's cricket. Uh, naturally gifted. Right arm off spinner as well. Like the way she bowled, it was like she didn't like she was just a bowler, but she didn't care about bowling. But for an off spinner, drift the ball away from a right hand batter, spin it back in, uh, walk around the field, take a one hand specky, like just really, really gifted natural. young athlete. Yeah, so natural. And she just again, you when she walks out to bat, I think she's she's one of those players you talk about X factors in sport. She's that player in, for the women's, for the Aussie yeah, women's yeah, girls. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched a bit of that uh, game. Must have been the second game that they lost to South Africa, the T20 game, mm. or the one-day game yeah. when they played in Canberra recently. And honestly, when she was bowling, not the style 
of Mark Waugh, but she had the characteristics spot on of Mark Waugh. She just spot stood on. there like Junior. Mate. Looked around like Junior. She actually does bowl she actually does bowl similar to Mark Waugh in regards to the casualness or the, yeah. e- the easiness the, in yeah. what she does it. That's it just, a good call. I just looked at that and went It's a good call. And I'm yeah. trying to think who she reminded me of and I went, <laughs> I think that reminds me of Junior. And yeah. I wasn't going to say because I thought, oh nah, spot well, on. It be it's right, a good call. But, oh, there, yeah, that's who she reminded me she's of. Got that just look cool, look, yeah. look calm, not much sort of worried her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when when she bowls and bats, she just looks like she does it easy. Yeah, that's a very good call. Jason Berendorf was the men's T Twenty International Player of the Year. The women's domestic players of the year were Elise Villani and Sophie Day. The men's domestic player of the year. Guess who? Cameron Bancroft. Cameron Bancroft. Ouch. Ouch for selectors. Mm. <laughs> um, but well done to Cam. Uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, oh, look, I think they've made it pretty clear. It's, it's not they haven't... It's it's not that Cam... Um, well, actually, no, that's not fair because they picked Matt Renshaw as well. If, if they were going on uh, first-class cricket only and performances over the last two years, then Cam Bancroft would have been in. Even if he wasn't picked in the starting 11, he would have, he'd be the next batsman picked. So, yeah, the fact that they did pick Renshaw over the top of him is probably a little... him Cam, Cam winning that might be a little ouch to, to a few people, but uh, he's been consistent, Cam Bancroft. Um, you know, in what everyone said in regards to him deserving his opportunity has been spot on. All you can do is make runs. And we talk about it all the time as a batsman or a batter. You're at the top of the tree, then, you know, you're doing everything in your power to be next in line. So to not be next in line, that's that's hard to cop because what else can he do? That's the question I reckon Cam Bancroft and, you know, anyone supporting Cam at the moment would be asking uh, George Bailey and Pat Cummins. What more can I do to get picked in this Australian team? I think for inspiration, he's just got to sit there and watch Mitch Marsh and look at what Mitch Marsh did. He thought his career was over. Yeah. Never, yeah, got an opportunity, then looked like it was all over, and then he just got an opportunity, made the most of it. So if Cam Bancroft, at some point, if he keeps getting runs, you'd think that, yeah, he might get an opportunity. He yeah. may not, but he might. And if he gets a crack, he's got to make the most of it. But he's in that position now where it's unknown. All he can do is just put runs on the board. And I think you look at um, – we talked about putting things into perspective. Mitch Marsh you know, wanted another opportunity but probably came to think that he wasn't going to get another crack. Mm. Uzi was the same. Yeah. And they've come back in with a different mindset. No pressure on them, just seeing it as a – Oh, this is a one-off or a, a short time that I'm going to be back in the in the Australian side and mm. enjoyed themselves and flourished and now they're mainstays of a side. So you just don't know how things can turn pretty quickly mm. for you. You know, the other thing I was I'm just thinking this morning, just seeing a bit of this stuff. I wonder how the the um, the voting varies from ICC to then. Cricket Australia, for example, because we've had Pat Cummins get International Player of the Year, didn't he? The other day, I think he got that. And Uzi got Test Player of the Year, didn't he? International Test Player of the Year. I think you're right. But then they can't win the awards for Cricket Australia. So I wonder if there's a different voting uh, period, like it's over a different length of time. It would be, because the same thing had happened at club best and fairest with the AFL Rugby League. You don't win the Brownlow. Like you might win the brown low, but you might not get the win it for your club or the, or the or the best yeah. and fairest at your own club. Must be a That's different system. Yeah. I probably should know that, but I yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember how it worked. Interesting. Well, it's a big concussion story today. Front page of the Daily Telegraph. It's a knockout. The biggest sport concussion shake up in our history. It's back page of the Herald. Three week wait. The new guideline on concussion. Is the headline there, back page of the Australian as well. Game changer for safety of players. So these are recommendations from the Australian Institute of Sport to overhaul the current protocols and have 21-day rest periods and concussion officers on the sidelines. This is at community and kids' grassroots level as well. Uh, you know, practically putting in this place should have its challenges. I just wonder... As well, like 
will it get to the point where you need to play contact sport every second week? I mean, it's availability of players as well to, to make a game happen. Loss. I know that safety is paramount and all mm. that, but uh, but it has practical consequences as well. Yeah, I'm most definitely. But, you know, I think everyone's trying to make their sport safer uh, and you've got to go with the science. Um, and when you access that information, um, you know, it, it can be damning at, at, at times. But 21 days, I understand it uh, in community sports. Uh, they don't have the access to sports medicine that's available to the professionals when they're playing week in, week out. Um, and this is one of the big stories and big issues confronting every sport because every sport has the possibility of someone um, getting concussed. So I, I don't know where they go. And to protect themselves, to, pe- te- to protect the game, to protect the individual, I, I, I think they just have to follow the, the science and obviously look at the recommendations and see whether they can implement them all or whether they implement part of it. But it's certainly not going away and it's going to be well into the future. One of the biggest things for sport they have to deal with. Back page of the Courier-Mail today. Spread his wings. Stags backs his new centre partner uh, to make the most of his backline switch. And we spoke to Lee Breeze, Broncos assistant coach, there yesterday. And uh, Selwyn Cobbo set to make that move with Herbie Farmworth off for the Dolphins. And uh, just as long as he, I guess, defensively is going to be the biggest challenge for him, Loz. Yeah, we're just Cobbo. reading. But I think, who pointed it out? Um, I think he's, Kevy might have said it. It's sometimes uh, Selwyn drifts off in games. And on the wing, you can you can do that. And I think I, think I said last year after the grand final, um, without pointing the finger at Selwyn, you know, he... he on that back of that 40-20 of Nathan Cleary, he should have been tucked behind the line. That was just a, an awareness thing and staying involved in the game. So if he did that, he would have been able to stop that 40-20. Um, and that was, I think that was just a case of just not thinking at that moment and not staying in the game. Whereas the closer you are to the action, the more you have to be switched on all the time. Um, but he's a wonderful athlete. And I remember coaching him in the All-Stars and that game was his first, I think it was his sort of first, well, it was his rep, first rep game. Hadn't played a lot of first grade, if at all. And he was dynamic in that game. Just some of the things he did at training, you just sit there and go, mate, he's a superstar, this kid. Mm. He's a superstar. If he has an injury-free run at it, he's going to be some type of player. So, um, yeah, being in the centres uh, gives him a bit more strike. Uh, Herbie was a different player to to Selwyn, um, but I think they're going to get good value out of Selwyn in the centres. Pack pages have lots of Alan Border medal as well. There's uh, Ash Gardner, glorious Ashes victory, and her partner on the back page of the telly. Uh, rising from the Ashes, a picture of Mitch Marsh, back page of the Herald. The Australian brilliant Bison's resurgence as Ash grabs another gong as well. Just also back page of the... Daily Telegraph, uh, AFB first interview, Shire is the perfect fit. So Adam Fanua Blake speaking to News Corp here and uh, just talking about his move to Cronulla and uh, how, you know, sort of Craig Fitzgibbon won him over. Uh, said he really aligned with uh, his own values, did Fitzgibbon and is looking forward to getting there, but naturally wants to get the job done in his last season with the Warriors as well. Says He says, by the way, an unforeseen situation came up. So he's grateful that the Warriors understood his situation. But uh, they'll be looking for more of the same from him this year, Loz, because he was, well, to say he had an impact would be an understatement last year. He was Arguably superb. the best front rower in the game, Adam Fedor Blake. He's going to be a massive loss for the Warriors, but they've got him for the next 12 months, so they've got to make the most of it. Without him, they can't win a comp. Um, and I also saw on the weekend that the Warriors are now trying to poach, not for this year, but for 2025, Hemlin Ueli from the Sharks. So they've offered him a three-year deal. So it might be just a case of... Swapsies. Swapsies, yeah. But look, Adam Fanil Blake, a very good player. Uh, he'll make a difference to the Sharks. I reckon the Sharks would have loved to have him this year because that might be the difference between them sort of winning finals and what they've done the last two years where they've sort of faded at the back end of the season. 
you know, they've done really well to get to the finals, but they haven't won a final under Fitzy, so mm. that'd be burning the squad and burning him personally. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. Give us a call, 1353-53-0419-767-272. If you're just tuning in, the Allen Border medal last night was won by Mitch Marsh, who gave uh, a great acceptance speech. Let's have a listen to a little portion of what he had to say after he won his first AB medal. Uh, Thank yous to uh, Ronnie and Paddy. Um, You believed in me, and I don't really know... can't thank you enough for just believing in me. And I'm a bit fat at times and I love a beer, but um, <laughs> um, but you see the best in me always and um, you just, yeah, you've, uh, you've changed my life. So for your support, Paddy, and your leadership, um, playing under you is an absolute dream. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I should, should probably finish there, but um, just quickly to my beautiful family at home, to mum, dad, Sean and Melissa, um, you, I know how proud you'll be. Dad'll be sitting having six stubbies at the Coral Bay pub. Um, and he'll be telling me to stop crying, so uh, it's probably time to get off the stage. But um, this is a huge honour, AB. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. And I uh, really can't quite believe it, so um, I'll see you on the dance floor. Uh, that audio, courtesy of Seven Cricket and Fox Cricket, and uh, Pup, he's come a long way. Yeah, and he deserves it. He's um, he's worked hard. He's been in and out of the team. He's copped his fair share of criticism. Um, really happy for Mitch. Great fella. Um, like I say, he's put in the hard work. And there'll still be challenges. There's no doubt about it. The way he plays, the style of cricket he plays, he takes risks. He goes quite hard at the ball. So there's going to be some, you know, some low scores. But... Ah, uh, look, he's, yeah, his shot selection's a lot better now than what it used to be. Um, and he's he's been... You know, he's been rewarded, firstly, by being back in all three formats. Um, he bats at the top of the order now in 2020 cricket and, and, and one-day cricket. He's, he's in the top three. Um, he's, you know, he's still trying to grab hold of that position as the, the all-rounder in the test format, but is has done himself plenty of favours in, in the runs, certainly in the runs he's taken, uh, the runs he's scored, sorry. Um, and he's been rewarded with the T20 captaincy as well. So I think, you know, when you go back to when I first met, met Mitch and he'd, he'd, he'd captained the Aussie 19s team to a World Cup victory, um, he was in and around that Western Australian group, you, you, you saw a lot of talent. Uh, and potential, and he's a, he's always been a great guy. So you've wanted him around the group, but he's now, you know, putting in the performances. And again, I think I said it at the time. He has got leadership in him. You know, I, the fact he's twenty twenty captain doesn't surprise me one bit, because he's he's a great team man. He's had success as a leader. He's now done it at the under nine level, under nineteen level. He's done it for the Perth Scorchers. He's done it for, done it for Western Australian cricket. So he's got that experience behind him as well. Um, so yeah, I love the fact that his performances are a lot more consistent now. Um, and what you heard, listening to him speak just there, that's what everyone that knows Mitch Marsh. That is the Mitch Marsh we know, and that's why we've loved him for so long. They're really a cricketing royalty family, oh, aren't they? Mate, so successful. Was, was Swampy still the coach when you no, started? No, he just finished. Yeah. I think he even might have been coaching... When I started, he might have been coaching Zimbabwe. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that entire family. And what you hear is what you get. That's exactly how Swampy is. That's exactly how Sean is. Mm. They are very, very similar, all three of them. Big show this morning. We're going to preview the Bulldog season in about eight minutes' time. Evan Priest, lots to talk about in golf. The latest live sort of situation news, more players defecting. Uh, we'll go through that with Evan, Adam Pengilly. Uh, we've got GWS assistant Ben Hart as well uh, coming up just after 7 o'clock this morning. Huge year for the Giants coming off a one-year loss in a prelim- uh, one-point loss in a preliminary final. Jared Daffy from the tab. Chris Whitaker, Waratah's assistant coach, the Super Rugby season not far away. Erin Shaw, Australian high jumper as well. Uh, we'll see. We'll check in with her as she looks towards Paris. Ash Gardner, Belinda Clark, medalist from last night, will join us after 8 o'clock. And Sean Abbott as well, Aussie bowling all-rounder. The first of the one-dayers is tomorrow there at the MCG. So we'll preview that with Sean Abbott later this morning. Uh, just this news last night, 
in regards to the Queensland Origin setup. So Cameron Smith Laws is leaving Billy Slater's coaching setup. He wants to focus on family and he's coaching at the Corumban Eagles, so he wants to put uh, his efforts into that. Matt Ballin comes in. Uh, he's currently an assistant there at mm. the Broncos. <laughs> Perfect from Cameron Smith. Come in, win a couple of series. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, the Corumban Eagles, they'll probably end up in the NRL next after he's uh, finished there. They might, but no, <laughs> he's had a lot of success, hasn't he, both as a player and a part of Billy's coaching staff. So I'm sure Billy would be disappointed that Cam uh, won't be there this season. But Matt Ballon, uh, from all reports, the Broncos a wrap with what he's doing up there. Uh, he's a former Origin player, so he understands the environment that he's walking into. So while the aura of Cameron Smith won't be there, the tactical knowledge will still be there and the legacy that he's left behind and what it means to play for Queensland. So uh, it's a big series coming up. Uh, Queensland looking to go three in a row. New South Wales under a new coach with Michael Maguire. Um, there'll be a spring in their step when they meet this weekend. Um, you know, Madge will be sort of telling them what the expectations are of the group. And I reckon that uh, this year's uh, series will be very exciting. The other thing about this year's series, game one so important. Oh, it's in Sydney. Game it's... one in Sydney. New South Wales are hard to beat down here. Queensland are always hard to beat up there. So, But it's imperative, so important for New South Wales to win game oh, one. They lose. It's a disaster. Well, it's a disa- it is a disaster yeah. if they lose game one. But I think they showed in game three last year when you know, most people thought that Queensland were going to win a game. It's just hard to win away from home. That's all. It's it's always difficult to win away from home. So New South Wales playing game one at ANZ Stadium, and the stats would suggest that if you win game one, the odds are you're more than likely going to go on and win the series. Jack Whiten, do you feel he will make himself available for New South Wales again? Reports are indicating he's open to it, though he won't be at Michael Maguire's Blues camp this weekend. He apparently, you know, wants to show his wares for Souths first before he sort of declares that, okay, I'm back ready for New South Wales selection or at least to be considered. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. I, I wouldn't have a clue. Only Jack can make that decision. And, you know, he wanted to concentrate on footy last year with the Raiders being at his last year. Uh, going to a new club like Souths, I think he'd like to just see how it all goes down early. I think if he's enjoying himself, playing really good football, South start to to go on a bit of a, a run, um, he may make himself available or he might just go, you know what, no, I'm just happy in this environment. Why do I need the extra pressure of being involved in state of origin? I've had my time. Um, depends what the passion is like and whether that's a driving motivation for him to play representative football or is it to win a comp with South? And I know that you know, he would have been disappointed not winning a competition with the Raiders and he wants to win a comp. So that might be the motivation that he's looking for, just to get into a good team. Mm. South, don't worry about representative football. My main priority now at the back end of my career is to win a comp. So he, he might see that as a driving force rather than the fact he can still play representative football. They quite possibly will be the most origin-affected club which tells you all about the expectation there at South this year. They Possibly. could have. They could. If Jack goes back how, and plays. Depends how they start. But look at the amount of players they will have considered, yeah. you would think, if they you know, obviously yeah, play to, to their they, expectation. They've got to play well. If they, if they play well, they, they could have four or five. We, we've got to have Latrell playing this year, pup, from a New South Wales perspective, provided he's up and about, as well, Lewis says. I, I, I think we need... Yeah, we need to, we need to be as close to full fitness as possible. In, in regard, like I reckon Tommy's that important to us now as well. I reckon he needs to be, and and not just fit to play. They, I think what we've seen in the last couple of years, we need guys playing footy and good footy before that first Origin game. Mm. Like I, I think that's the part that might change this season under Madge. I don't think he'll take the risk on Latrell, Tommy T. Tedesco, even these players that have been magnificent for a long time, I don't think he'll take those players into the or into an origin unless they've got some footy under their belt. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I think we've taken that risk the last couple of years. Well, I, don't has, this year. I don't think you have to this year because you've seen the emergence of Crichton, you've seen the emergence of Bradman Best. Yep. Those guys in origin, yep. have, well, Best only played one game, but and I know brilliant. it was a dead rubber, but yep. he was very good. Yep. So you're going to... 
It's going to be difficult to overlook him if Newcastle start the year well, and he's playing good football. Stephen Crichton. You can't control uh, injuries. No, that's as well. Exactly like right. I, I feel a little bit for. Not I feel sorry for him, but I'm like I feel like there's there's a bit of there's always a bit of talk about Latrell needs to own the Origin world to be classed a great player. He doesn't. It's not like he's selecting to be injured before an Origin series or hoping he gets it. I think Latrell, and you hear all the players that play with him, he wants to play Origin as much as anyone. They actually come out and say that is his that is his world. Like Loz's coach, that, that's the standard. He, he gets better the, the higher the standard, and he's as passionate as any New South Wales player. So I think he would be hoping, like we are, that he's not injured, that he can play a full Origin series. I just feel like sometimes some of the feedback we get in here is it's like, oh, he planned to be injured, or he doesn't want to play for New South Wales. I don't think I I don't know Latrell, but I, from everything you see. Mate, I reckon he would love to bash Queensland as much as, you know, we talk about Paul Gallen, how much he loves to bash Queensland and, um, you know, all, all those players that have that hatred towards Queensland because they are New South Wales kids grow up and that rivalry's um, born inside you. So I, I hope for his sake and Tommy T, those two particularly, I hope they are firing come origin time so they can show um, all of us, you know, how good they are at the highest level. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that if they can get to their best football, that they'd be a part of the 17. Definitely. They're, 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 You're picking both of them, They're both you? in that 17. But you've got to be fit. You've got to be playing well. Yeah. And they've got a bit more depth, mm. which I think New South Wales should be excited about. Well, because you don't have to, as you mentioned, you don't have to sort of go in with them if yeah. they're not, Playing well or 100% fit. With that then, Laws, because, again, my brain says exactly like yours, no brain. If those two are 100% fit, playing good footy, they're in. But then you mentioned someone like Crichton. How do you not pick him in the centres? He he has been... He's been been the best centre out of both teams, really, for the last two years. He's a lock. He's just a lock. Where do you pick? So does does Tommy have to play on the wing? Uh, Assuming Teddy's playing fullback. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, you know, yeah, you've got a Latrell or a Tommy. Are they going to force their way into the team as a as a fullback? Mm. You know, does, does Teddy miss out? That that's the questions that Madge will have to um, answer when he gets closer to it. But the good thing is they've got plenty of options. And um, yeah, you know, just, the, the thing with fit. Crichton and, and Bradman Best, they just sort of hit the ground running in that arena. So Crichton, yeah, Crichton. I, I don't think I don't care who's fit. I think Crichton has to be one of your centres. Even if Tommy and Latrell mm. and Teddy's playing like a genius, I think one of them. I don't think they can both play in the centres and fullback. If Teddy's fullback, mm. I think Crichton now has earned the right to be one of those centres yep. in front of everyone else. Yeah, again, but you you, you need him to be playing good good footy. You, you need him to be going. You can't have. You don't want to be picking too many players on reputation. Yes, Man, if they're he's playing been phenomenal, good, good football. And the other thing about Crichton is where where's he going to play? Fullback or centre for and that wouldn't worry me either. But if he's playing good football, I think you've just got to have him in the centres. Mm. You've got to have him in the centres. Because he yeah. just I think he's the best defensive centre. Yeah. Mm. I think he's and, and his attack is is improving out of sight. He's, oh, he's twenty two years of age or something like that. So his best football's in front of him. So they got depth. They've got depth in those positions. So I think that that's the the best thing in New South Wales favour is they're starting to build a bit of um, you know, depth and they're not having to rely on one or two players. The Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs in season 2023 finished 15th with seven wins and 17 losses. They conceded 32 points per game. Easily the worst in the NRL. This year, with Tab to win the premiership, they're $34 or $17 to make the grand final. They're $67 to win the minor premiership. $9 to make the top four, $3.50 to make the eight, $1.25 to miss the top eight. In the most losses market, they're on the fifth line of betting at $11. Now, looking at their gains and losses, gee, there's been some activity here. Uh, Stephen Crichton in the gains from the Panthers. Josh Curran comes from the Warriors. Farmer Silly from the Dolphins. Drew Hutchison from the Roosters. Kurt Mann from the Knights. Jamin Semin from the Panthers. Blake Taff. Connor Tracy, Jake Turpin, Mitchell Woods, Bronson Jerry, all coming to the club for this season 
and beyond for a lot of them. Uh, and the losses. I mean, Alamotti, Ravarillo, Farmanu Brown, uh, Fatala Mariner, Kyle Flanagan, Jaden Ockenbaugh, Tavita Pengai, Luke Thompson, Corey Waddell. So a huge turnover of players' loss. And I, I still can't believe how bad their defense was last year, especially considering you know, it's Kevin Serraldo's strength. So they clearly mm. struggled to adjust to his system. Well, They've got to come together as a team. They've got to understand their role and execute, uh, execute it a lot better than what they, they did last year. And I think at times they could have been guilty of trying to solve problems on their own, and that just creates more chaos for their teammates. So obviously that's an area that they have to improve. They've got to be tighter around the middle. They've got to be uh, better on hitting their targets and giving them more time to work people on the ground and getting their lines set and be better connected on the edges. The interesting one for me is that they've got plenty of changes to the squad and just trying to fit them in. Where are they all going to play? So that'll be uh, intriguing in the off-season how Cameron Seraldo puts these players into the jigsaw. You know, does Crichton play fullback? Does he play in the centres? Does Blake Taff start in the one jersey? Uh, who are going to be the halves? Um you know, who's going to partner Matt Burton? Is Burton going to be the six? Is the half going to be Hutchison or Sexton? The other big one for mine, I don't know whether they've got the depth in the forwards, and they're not a big team. They'll be a mobile team, but they're not going to be a big team. Jacob Preston last year was a standout for them. They didn't see enough of Villiarmi kick out. He was um, injured, um, so they need to get him onto the paddock. And if he stays on the paddock, I think he's a, he's a good leader and someone that they'll follow and gives them a bit of size and gives them a bit of impetus on the edge. Uh, Reed Marnie, I think, at times last year, was guilty of trying too hard, uh, trying to do too much. Um, probably just has to just do his role and focus in on what he needs to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I look at the players that they've recruited, and they're all desperate to succeed. They're all looking to become first graders in their own right and be a part of a starting 13 will be a regular in the 17. So that's a that's a bonus for the for the Bulldogs because they'll be hungry. You'd think with Cameron Seraldo's second year in charge, um, he'll understand what he's after and what he's looking to do and how quickly he can develop change. Because I think some coaches come in and you think you can change everything straight away and, and sometimes it does take time for the people that have been there in the past but also the people coming into your organisation um, but they've just got to be better and it starts as you mentioned Mido, with the worst defence in the competition they've just got to be better in that area because you look at some of the names they've got you know Ado Carr, Burton, Crichton you know they've got guys that can score tries you know uh, Bronson Sherry he might be an X factor I know he's been out of the game for four years but he's only what, 22, 23 years of age, and apparently he's training the house down, as you would expect this time of year. But, you know, Jamin Simmons, another one. You know, he, he, where does he fit into the picture? He's been a part, big part of the, the 17 out there at Penrith, albeit he doesn't play a lot of minutes, but he's someone there that they relied on um, and came in for them and, <laughs> and did a job. So, look, I think they'll have a better year, the Bulldogs. I can't see them playing finals, though, this year. I, 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 you know, I, if the Bulldogs play finals footy, that's a remarkable achievement in my eyes. But I think they're on the way up. How many wins sort of are you looking at? Oh, I, I reckon they should be aiming for a 10. Mm. What, what, seven last year? Yep. Yeah, I, th I think they'd be a, looking to that eight to 10 mark. I, I, I can't see them playing finals. Um, they'd have to have everything go right. They'd have to get limited amount of injuries. So I look at their depth, and I just I don't think when it comes to the crunch, they've they've got that firepower up front. You know, when you when you're talking the good teams in the comp, the teams that are challenging, the teams that are top four, they've got power and they've got aggression. Um, and I just think they may be one or two light in the middle. With the halfback situation, so Drew Hutchison uh, says he wants the seven jersey next to Matt Burton in the halves there. He says shedding the utility tag was his main motive for leaving the Roosters, in fact. I mean, that's up for grabs, isn't it? I mean, Toby Sexton obviously came to the club from the Titans, but Toby Sexton couldn't make the Gold Coast Titans side. Mm. So that you would think there's a, you know, that there's competition on for that 
position with Burton in the halves. Oh, most definitely. And I, I don't know whether Burton's a, a lock to play 5 8 either. You know, there was some talk about, you know, we, we need a bit more out of Matt. How are we going to get the best out of him? Um, so hopefully a, a guy like Drew Hutchinson, which I believe is possibly the way they're looking at, will start at seven and then and Matty Burton plays as that running six. But they've got to get the best out of Matt. He, he's got to be able to bring positive energy to the team. He's got to be able to take on the line. He's got to get stronger with his defence. And he's got to be more vocal. You know, as a leader, he needs to be more vocal. At times last year, I think they just lack leadership. You know, I'm not putting that on Matt, but I'm just saying that the whole group, you know, I think they just struggled. And they were a young team. Um, and just when I talk about bringing energy, it's like when you kick the ball. You know, you've, you've got to be able to kick and chase your own kicks, not just sit and admire your kicks at times. I think you just – that brings energy to a football team. You know, just carrying the ball strongly. Um, you know, making good decisions in defence. Um, I, I think from when I when I look at the Bulldogs, I think they'll have a they'll have a strong year, given where they've come from in the last couple. But but I don't have them in my finals. I don't see them playing finals footy this year. There's plenty of Premier League on this morning. In fact, a couple of games have just kicked off. And uh, we've got Manchester City up against Burnley and Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham up against Brentford this morning. And uh, both those games are scoreless, seven minutes in. Now, in about half or 35 minutes' time, Liverpool play Chelsea. And the market with tab for that one has Liverpool $1.60, Chelsea $4.50, and the draw is $4.25. So three Premier League games on this morning, if you're just waking up and tuning in, last night the Allen Border medal was won by Mitch Marsh, a popular winner, and he won convincingly from his captain, Pat Cummins. Uh, had a great acceptance speech. Teared up when he was thanking his captain and coach, Cummins and Andrew McDonald, and uh, said, you know, that can't thank you enough for just believing in me. And uh, goes on to say he was a bit, he's a bit fat and loves a beer. And... <laughs> The thank yous went on. It was a great acceptance speech and uh, a popular winner indeed, Mitch Marsh, there last night. Belinda Clark Award, Ash Gardner took that out for the second time. She won it in 2022 as well. And we'll speak to her uh, just after the 8 o'clock news this morning. Uh, just that news in supercars yesterday, an update there. So Brody Kostecki, his situation. So his Erebus team released a statement saying... The reigning champ remains a valued member of their team while confirming that he won't race in the season opener, which is the Bathurst 500. So Kostecki's under contract until the end of the year, but you get the feeling it is still a bit to play out there that the reigning champ won't be driving in the opening game, uh, opening week there in Bathurst, but uh, is still, according to Erebus, a part of their team. Also, there was a news conference yesterday confirming that George Cambosis will fight Vasily Lomachenko in Perth, May 12, for the vacant IBF lightweight title. Uh, this nearly happened a couple of years ago, in fact, before Cambosis took the fight with Devin Haney. But the war broke out with Russia and Ukraine, and Lomachenko, being Ukrainian, took up arms. He went and tried to well, help defend his nation. Uh, both, of course, have suffered defeats to Devin Haney. Cambosis says for him, this fight's all about redemption. It's about legacy. And basically conceded whoever loses is likely to hit a dead end. So that's a big fight to look forward to May 12. Uh, certainly Devin Haney has dominated that division, though, uh, in recent times. Uh, Steve Smith probably had a little shot at his critics yesterday about him opening the batting. Mm, I too. heard that. Just a little, just a little poke. Mm. Yeah, he pointed out he's averaging 60 as an opener since, you know, the move was made. Yeah. It's early days, two tests, yeah. and he's got a 91 not of, out one there. One not out. Or two not. you got 12 not out in the mm. second innings. A couple of not outs as well. But, yeah, I, uh, look, I think Smitty's point was, you know, a minute ago you will telling me I was no good. Now I'm averaging 60. But, again, I'd, yeah, I think, um, I think time will tell whether this is the right position for him. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do believe he'll be successful there. If he wants to do it, he's as well equipped as, as anyone. Um, yes, there might be some challenges in certain conditions, but there'll be some benefits as well. If he gets past that new ball, 
he plays spin as good as anyone in that Australian team. Um, he'll be playing spin with 20, 30, 40, 50 runs under his belt when the spinners come on. He can dominate them. Um, he knows how to bat long periods. And, yeah, I think if they don't get him out early, he's got the potential to make one of those massive scores. Look out. And he's, yeah, he captains tomorrow, batting at four, minus five. Cameron Green looks like he'll bat at three uh, in the one-day setup tomorrow. And Mitch is not playing? Mitch is opening. Yes, with Travis Head. Travis Head. Hmm. So Cameron Green at three. Hmm. Okay. Like That's it. Why not? What's uh, sort of being mooted for that match tomorrow at the MCG? Uh, just some some of your random texts here. Uh, morning, boys. Top eight. Penrith, Brisbane, Melbourne, South Cowboys, Eels, Roosters, Raiders, says Stephen at Wagga. But uh, Mark at Newey says, hey, Lozza, we know you love the Raiders. Uh, but be honest, their spine is very average. Their centre's mostly unproven. Papa Lee will be lucky to play 30 minutes a game. They should be equal favourites with the Dragons for the spoon. And yes, I'm a Dragons th- fan. Mm. Mark at Newey. I've heard that for the last four or five years about how the Raiders are no good, uh, but they always continue to play good football. So I've never I think heard that for them to be last. I've never heard someone say the Raiders will win the wooden uh, spoon. Have look, you heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss the eight, I've heard, yep. but not wooden spoon. No. They, have, have the Raiders ever won the wooden spoon? Oh, they would have in their history at the start. Well, this first couple of years, they would have. Won the wooden spoon, I think. Do you know that, Mitter? Have the Raiders ever? You don't. Yeah, they win, would have. They would have been, win the wooden spoon, yeah. do you? No, no. Have no, they no, ever no, lost no. the wooden spoon? No. Have they ever? No, got they the they would spoon? have early in their in their their career. It would have been eighty two when they first came in, eighty three maybe. Um, they might have run last. I, I don't know. I should I, know that. I don't. I, I think there's no chance they'll get the wooden spoon this year. They're not that bad. Come on. <laughs> no. No, mate, they're, they're a good side. They they should be pushing for finals again. Yeah, I think you. I think people. I, I I can understand if people say I'm gonna. You know, well, I'm not gonna have them in my eight this year. I don't mind challenging challenging that, but no way. They will have to have a horrible run of injuries and stinker of a year if they are gonna get the wooden spoon. I, I don't think no, they, they, won't, are, they won't be getting the wooden spoon. I don't think they'll get close to the wooden spoon. No, I agree. No, no, neither do I. They did. They, and they I'd, like, I'd like to wind you up. 82. Yeah, Is 82. that the, the only once uh, uh, mate, I wouldn't have a clue, but that's the first year they came in. Yeah, so. okay. Okay. They got the wooden spoon. Uh, now, Loz, last year Sam Burns was a favourite of yours in yeah. golf <laughs> after he, you know, he shunned the live tour. I'll mm. tell you who hasn't. Terrell Hatton, and it looks like Lucas Herbert. So they're partners, assuming that they haven't, they'll, they'll be very happy. Uh, so because they're, they're taking the cashola. Uh how much? Uh, not sure. Maybe Evan Priest. Someone got sixty million. Morning, Evan. How are you, mate? Good morning, boys. How are you? Very well, thank you. And you've written about Lucas Herbert making his move to live. To what extent was this expected? Yeah, I, I, like I'll, I'll get into it. But just before I, I heard the uh, chat about the wooden spoon, you know who is getting the wooden spoon is my poor bloody West Tigers. No way, mate. <laughs> We're not getting it again. No chance. <laughs> we can't go three, Pete. <laughs> well, I, I hope not anyway. Not with Luai leading, leading the way. But, um, well, that's not I, until next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. It's, well, there you go. Yeah, 2025. So, so we are getting it, Clark. No, mate. We can't. No <laughs> way. Well, from what I'm reading this morning, the Raiders are getting it. I can't believe people are thinking that. No way. I don't I mean, think Ricky would are. lace up for the Raiders before you. <laughs> yeah, true. He probably would too. They're, they're not getting it. They're not getting the wooden spoon. Oh, no, dear. great side, Canberra. Great, massive respect. My, my girlfriend's from Canberra, so I have huge respect for the race. You got no choice. <laughs> yeah. It's like me sitting beside Laws. I got no choice either. <laughs> but he wants yeah, well, it with Lucas Herbert. Did, did I read he got sixty million US? No, Clarky. That was that was um, Tyrrell Hatton. Ah, uh, was too. Was and you know too. what? Well, well deserved. That they will, if they're smart with their marketing, they'll milk every bit of character out of that bloke. He is hilarious. Yeah, he's okay. got a massive temper. He's he's a seriously, seriously good player. He hit one of the best golf shots, probably the best golf shot I saw last year. Four iron out of the pine straw at the Players Championship that he sliced over deliberately over the water and into the green and made the birdie putt to finish second. Um, just a really hilarious player. I was in a press conference with him in the Ryder Cup a few months ago. And at one stage, he was asked about kissing his sister. He then told reporters to F off and have a nice day and walked out. It's just unbelievable. 
<laughs> what? Oh. Yeah. How does the conversation but... <laughs> get to kissing your sister? <laughs> you, you know what? It was so funny. The, the English reporters at Ryder Cups, especially European Ryder Cups, are just something else. You know, the, the big tabloid guys. Oh, Clark, you probably would have dealt with them yeah. in your in your day. No. But, uh, <laughs> they, they asked him, you know, it was all about the Ryder Cup and um, the fact that if you if – you, it's kind of like the Ashes, right? Like if, you, if there's a draw, I suppose you can retain the Ashes. Yeah. In a Ryder Cup, if, if there's a tie, you can retain the Ryder Cup. And he, he was asked, you know, is that like kissing your sister? You, you sort of, it's frowned upon, but blah, blah, blah. And, and he goes, geez, that's an aggressive question for 8.25 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you Sounds what. like a character. I, I'll tell you, uh, Evan, I, I'm reading online that Rory has softened his stance on these live rebel golfers and talking about how they shouldn't be punished if they come back to the traditional tour. Yeah, he's he's oh God. He's really done some backflips the past. He's going to um, qualify for gymnastics at the Olympics. Does that mean he may um, be getting an offer from Liv? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think, yeah, like, you know, geez, he, he's would be close to a billion if he did. To, mm. to be really honest with you, but um, no, he, I think he's anticipating more that the, the, the some of the guys are going to be able to come back maybe in the future. So he's sort of just sort of like clearing the decks for that to be able to happen. Um, but he's also, I think, he, Rory is really tight with some of the, you know, the greatest soccer players of all time. And soccer, as you know, has been sort of rife with the Saudi investment. The, the, the public investment fund now owns Newcastle FC. They've got their own soccer league. They've got Cristiano Ronaldo. So I think he's chatted to some blokes and they've said, mate, like, it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as you think. You know, like Saudi investment in a sport is actually a good thing. And I think he's sort of got some information and come back and said, you know what, I was a bit emotional last year. So... But you know what, I've got to say, especially uh, waking up this morning, I don't know if this deal is going to happen between the public investment fund and the PGA Tour because the aggressive signings that, that Liv has made in the off-season suggest they're trying to retaliate a little bit. And, you know, signing Tyrrell Hatton, Adrian Moronk, uh, Lucas Herbert, it doesn't suggest that the deal is going that well between those two parties. But, of course, this morning they announced that the PGA Tour is actually partnering with a group of private equity investors and they're basically all just billionaires who own sports teams in the u.s um i think they do want to include the saudi public fund but there's some regulatory issues happening there so that might take months if not years um so so i think they'll try and come together but in the meantime i think it's all academic so uh yeah interesting times ahead ah this is just a dog's breakfast isn't it this situation i see yeah like rory mcelroy i'm reading his comments so uh he's sort of you know backtracking as far as, you know, let people almost come back on the tour who have defected to live. So, oh, there's a lot to play out, isn't there? Anyway, let's get to the golf. Uh, Pebble Beach. We're at Pebble Beach, are we? Who do you like? Oh, I, uh, Pebble Beach, one of my favourite events. Just an amazing uh, event to watch. I like Victor Hovland. It's not a, not a very sexy bet. $11 is not bad, but it's not, you know, it's not a, a out-of-the-box one. But Victor Hovland won the US Amateur there a few years ago. He loves wet conditions, grew up in Norway, and apparently the, the forecast this weekend is biblical to the point where they might even have to delay the tournament. But um, he loves those kind of conditions, and I think he hits the ball so powerfully and so straight, I think he'll do well. So he's my bet to win. Um, sort of out-of-the-box bet is a guy called Brendan Todd, who's coached by an Aussie, actually. Uh, $81, and he finished runner-up last year, tied 16th the year before that. It's not the worst bet you'll ever make. And I also love... Our boy Jason Day, a bit of a Pebble Beach specialist. He's finished in the top 10 eight times. And to finish in the top 10 once again is $4. So uh, I think that's a good one there. Okay. Victor Hovland, $11. Brendan, Brendan. Todd, the value yep. at $81. Jason yep. Day for a top 10 finish there on the delightful Monterey Peninsula. Uh, there over... What, in Northern California? Is it considered Northern California? It's probably not that high, is it? But about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. Uh, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, Northern California there. Beautiful part, but it gets very foggy, prone to some serious weather. Um, on, a, on a good day, Pebble Beach is maybe the most beautiful place in golf. And on a bad day, you're hitting a, a three iron 90 yards into the seventh hole. It's a crazy place. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, Evan, thank you as always, mate. Enjoy. Good on you, boys. Yeah, it's interesting on the text line that if Rory had his time over, do you think he would take the live cash? Someone has just texted in, no name to it. We were just discussing that uh, right during the ad break then. And, uh, you know, Clark, you reckon... Uh, uh, he would? Billion reasons yeah. to take it. 
Oh, look, I, I think he was so, him and Tiger Woods were the two that oh, stood Rory. loud and there proud. There was strong language they and, used, though. That's oh, oh. the only issue. But the way Rory's, like, the backflips yeah. he's taken now, to me, he's, he's getting closer to... Well, he's just um, being more conciliatory. Yeah, well, well, do that with an extra eight hundred million in your pocket, Rory. Because if he if he says, okay, you know what, it's happening anyway, hmm. I'm joining. He's going to get numbers like that. He's going to get eight hundred million dollars. Our man Adam how, Ping. Yeah, how many zeros? Yeah, no. <laughs> guess to the point where, yeah, you... uh, mate. Does another zero matter at that point? I'm happy Probably. to put my words back in my mouth for eight hundred million. Adam Pengilly has uh, written a lot about the live situation. Morning, mate. How are you? Morning, Mido. Morning, boys. Yeah, and Rory's comments, wow, hasn't he changed his tune the last couple of months? But the one thing that he has said that, geez, I hope it comes true, and apart from all the backflips about living, whatever else, he's, talk, he's spoken about how important it is to have a global tour and how important the Australian Open event should be for world golf. Jeez, I, I, I hope they follow through on his comments there and, and really make a, a song and dance about the Australian Open because it could be a stellar event if we can just get a few more people down here to play it. Do they really care about us, though, Adam? Oh, the Americans' laws? Yeah. Probably not, to, to be honest. Right. No, probably not. They they look at the, the, the dollars and cents, and they probably realise we don't have the corporate backing down here in Australia to support a massive event like they, they do over in America. And the other thing that we really struggle with with the Australian Open is the time of the year. It's always in late November, early December, which traditionally is Thanksgiving time in America. And those American guys do not want to travel when it's Thanksgiving in America. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there is so much potential for the Australian Open, and I'm, I'm, I'm desperately hoping that if the PGA Tour and the Saudis and the DP World Tour all come together, they do something for Australian golf and the Australian Open. But, yeah, well, I'm, I'm still a bit sceptical, but at least Rory's comments are hopefully a step in the right direction. So true on the text line. Jay Monaghan really threw him under the bus. Yes, he did. Have we heard from Jay Monaghan since? <laughs> Has he come out and said anything publicly? <laughs> Not really. Uh, now, we've had a couple of texts on this as well. What's Matt Damon's next movie? Won't, uh, won't be Goodwill Punting. Very good. <laughs> Where do, the race, Where do you reckon he watched the race from yesterday? And what oh, do you think? <laughs> probably his, his personal movie cinema that he has. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens, doesn't it? I know there was a few raps on the on the Colt going into that two-year-old race on the Kenzo yesterday. He was very disappointing, it, it, it must be said. But I'm, I'm hoping for Paul Masara's sake and, and Leah's sake that he can he can bounce back. And, um, yeah, it would have been a great promotion if the horse ran well or potentially won that race, but unfortunately it didn't happen. And the multi-million dollar Colt Railway man was very disappointing as well. But we're all left talking about John O'Shea's two-year-old, who I thought was extremely impressive in that race, get a fix. And beautiful ride by Nashville Real. He showed some strength the horse, didn't he, in the last 50 to 100 metres. And I've read with interest that John wants to test him in one of the Golden Slipper lead-ups, maybe a Todman Stakes or a Skyline or or something like that, whether he's up to that sort of class or level, time will tell, obviously. But, yeah, certainly he's going to earn his opportunity. So, yeah, not great. Not a great promotion, I suppose, for, for the racing industry when they wanted Matt Damon's horse to run well. But um, hopefully he can stick with the horse and win a few races anyway. Yeah, I see Swans player Tom Papley is part of the ownership yes. group in that horse as well. So they look as though they've got a, a good two-year-old on their hands. What's the latest with Kieran Ma? I know that he split with David Eustace and that, uh, dissolved on the weekend. You, Dave Eustace is off to Hong Kong. What's the latest with Kieran? Yeah, Loz, I can't get my head around this. I, I really can't. I, I don't agree with it either. Is that Racing Victoria have come out and said, well, now that the partnership is dissolved and, and Dave Eustace has gone to Hong Kong, Kieran Ma is going to have to start from scratch again when it comes to the Victorian training premiership. What? He's oh, got, you're kidding. No, no, Mido. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got a comfortable lead in the Victorian oh. Metro, Metropolitan Trainers Premiership. He's, he's 18 wins that ahead of ben, ben Will and J.D. Hayes. And they're virtually saying he's going back to zero. That's now, ridiculous. I'm not saying he still can't make up the ground and potentially win it. It's going to be very tough to do that. But surely, surely he's allowed to continue training under that name, under that banner, and have those wins counted to what they've achieved in the Premiership so far. Honestly. So. I can understand why he's extremely upset. Um, he runs his training stable as pretty much a business now. His CEO has come out and said it's, it's the wrong decision. They, they don't agree with it at all. And basically, he's been sort of thrown to the walls when it comes to the training premiership. Well, I, I've always had a massive issue with how we keep records in, in Australian racing. Oh. It's, 
there's a lot of people who do their best to try and make it work, but they do it virtually for the love of it on the side. There's, there's no official really record keeping. It's very, very haphazard, if I can put it in those terms. And you wonder why we question when we have a situation like this. Yeah, that's, that's rubbish. Okay, we've got the All Stakes Saturday week. And, uh, well, with alligator blood now out for an extended period, uh, Mr. Brightside, that's one less big rival for him in sort of all those races. They sort of race against each other a lot, don't they? Yeah, they've been long-time rivals, Mido. You're right. And all you've got to do is look at the early market for the All Stakes on Saturday week to realise what alligator blood injury is going to do for our weight for age ranks. Like, Mr. Brightside's an even-money favourite already for the All Stakes on Saturday week. So... The bookies are anticipating that our depth in the in the weight for age um, sort of category is going to be very, very limited. And Mr. Brightside will have one more trial or jump out, I think, tomorrow at Flemington, I think, before he gets ready for that race on Saturday week. So, yeah, I just hope we can have a couple of horses that jump out of the woodwork, maybe a couple of three-year-olds who can sort of put their hand up later in the campaign and graduate to weight for age. But at the moment, he is going to start a very short price favourite for the All Stakes next week. Mate, you have a good day. Thank you. See you, boys. Chat tomorrow.